First off, Cody uh, just killed it for the last three weeks with a, a relationship series. And uh, he stopped by my office this week and said, hey, uh, why don't you hop up there on Sunday? And so I thought, yeah, no problem. Like, I'll just do relationship series part four, you know? Like, like, no big deal at all. So I sat down in my office to think about it, and I realized, oh, wait, I have nothing to say about relationships. So we're not doing that. We're going to change things up because um, last Thursday night, I was golfing with my rooted boys, my rooted group, because we were ending our, our 10-week stint. We went to the driving range. We didn't really golf. We went to the driving range. And um, we were just messing around, kind of debriefing the last 10 weeks, hanging out. And I love the 10 guys in my rooted group. Um, Great dudes, really, really cool. They're all here tonight. Not the best golfers in the world, in the world. All right, not not the most talented dudes as far as golfing goes. And I'm not gonna like single anybody out. I'm just gonna talk about them like as a whole. Although Justin, Justin needs some help. You guys have been praying for Justin's golf game. It's not great baseball player, great baseball player, not a great golfer, but we're gonna get you there, buddy. Don't worry about that. But we have one guy in our group who's really good, Kyle. And so he's like walking around telling everybody how to fix their golf swing, you know? And if you've ever played, it's like the most intricate sport ever. So he's like, keep your head down and then widen your stance and then close your stance and then try again. And he's saying, like, barking out all these commands. And I'm just sitting back watching these guys try to learn how to swing a golf club. And I'm thinking, this is a lot like life sometimes, isn't it? Right? Like, we all have um, these ideas in our mind, these people that we want to become and these dreams for the future and the strategy of how to get there. And then... We, we try to get to that point, and oftentimes we just swing and we miss, and we swing and we miss. We, we get a little bit better, and then we get a little bit worse, and it's like, man, what do you do when where you want to get to is not the place where you happen to be going? Or in other words, how do we get to where we want to be going? How do we change? This idea of transformation in Christianity, how, how do we do it? Because golf is, is a silly example, but we could get more serious. What, what about um, sitting in the pews for the last three weeks, listening to Cody talk about relationships and going, man, I, like, I want to do that. Like, I, I want to get to that point where I'm the man or woman of God for my future spouse, but I, I keep trying and I keep falling short, you know? Or, or like addictions, you've had this addiction for years and years and years and you've tried everything and you come here and you hear these stories about people who got set free and these testimonies are so incredible and encouraging but you're sitting in the pews or the chairs going, well, what about me? Like what do I do when it's not working? Worry, anxiety, fear. And we, we read Jesus saying things like, hey, you don't have to be anxious anymore. You don't have to be scared anymore. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna worry about itself. Don't, don't cloud your mind with that, that midterm that's coming up tomorrow or that conversation that you have to have or that doctor's appointment that you have to go to. Don't worry about those things and we read it and it sounds good on paper until it comes to actually trying to do it, right? And maybe we get like a, a pump up talk on a Sunday night and we're feeling good, no more anxiety, no more worry, whatever. But that pump up talk gets us through like Monday and then maybe Tuesday and by Wednesday, it's starting to come back, right? By Thursday, Friday, you're stuck in those same old paralyzing patterns of anxiety. So what do we do 
when what we're trying to do isn't working? How do we change? How, how do we change? What does Jesus talk to us? Or what does Jesus teach us about change? So I thought it'd be good just to take an entire week and devote it to that topic right there. How do we change? How do we change well? And so that's what we're diving into today. That's a pretty uh, ambitious topic for, for one week. Um, but I realized something this week. There's really a, a fairly simple explanation to this whole thing, and it's prayer, okay? So in just a second, we're going to pray, um, and we're going to pray because Paul tells us in Galatians 3.3, 3, he goes, hey, um, foolish Galatians, why um, this, this good work that started by the Spirit, why are you now like trying to finish it by the flesh? Why are you trying to be perfected by the flesh? And I read verses like that all the time, and I go, oh, yeah, Dang it, like, like, like why God starts these good things in me and then I just go, hey, I got it from here, God. Yep, like no worries, I'm on it, I'll take it from here and I try it over and over and over again and it just doesn't work. So what we're gonna do tonight, um, in just a second, I'm gonna read our scripture for the night. It's just two um, verses in Isaiah and then I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna pray and we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come and to help us. And, and, and to convict us where we need to be convicted and to comfort us where we need to be comforted and, and to give us the courage to step into this week and make this first week in April a week where we actually get a little bit closer to becoming the men and women of God that he has called us to be. So our verse um, for tonight is Isaiah 61. It's gonna be up on the screen, verse 10 and 11. Let's read it together. It says this, I will greatly... Rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, I love this, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. So Father, we are here tonight saying that we need your help. Spirit, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you be here with us as we unpack these two powerful verses? Father, I pray that you would change hearts tonight. Lord, I pray that you wouldn't let a single soul leave this room unchanged. So we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, any, uh, any basketball players out there? Anybody grow up playing basketball? Basketball for me was, was my life. Okay, from eight until 18, like especially all the way through high school, basketball is the only thing that I cared about. And I went to a, a really uh, new school. I was the second graduating class. So like when I was a freshman, we just had sophomores and freshmen, which was great because it meant that I got to play on the varsity team for, for the four years, right, that, that I was in school. Not so good because it means that I was 13 playing against 18 year olds and we, the first year, man, we just got destroyed. Like I, absolutely, it was, it was an embarrassment and it was like a new school so there was like all the school spirit, you know, and the pep rallies and the banners and the bands out there and everybody's all excited and I'm walking down the halls just like, it's not gonna go well, <laughs> you know, but appreciate your support, thanks for coming out. And uh, I would lead up, especially those weeks where we had just a, one of the, some of the best teams in the state that, that we had to play, which by the way, this is Colorado for some context. So the best teams in the state are like the lesser teams in the state in California. But, but all that aside, 
I can still be Alec one-on-one any day of the week. Hey, 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 hey. Um, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Probably. So the whole week would just be one of those things where I'd be like anxious leading up to, to Friday night. But something would change on Friday night. Something would change on Friday night because about 30 minutes before the game, you put on your warm-up gear. Anyone who's ever played basketball knows that this is like the reason you play basketball, right? It's for like the shooting shirt. That's, that's like a long sleeve shooting shirt and the snap-off pants. You guys remember snap-off pants, right? So I'd get, I'd get that on and the, like, the, the Jordans that I mowed lawns for all summer long and, and I'd get my whole get up and, and then we'd go out on the court and the clock would be like ticking down and the music would be bumping and all of a sudden, something would start to happen in my mind. I went from being this like, well, this is going to be terrible to, hold on a second, we might like actually pull this thing off, <laughs> you know? Because I got some, something about like having the long sleeve and the baggy, and you're doing that thing that basketball players do where they go like super slow in the warm up because they're like conserving their energy or, or whatever, I don't know. It's a weird thing, right? And, and like the music's going, the crowd's starting to show up, that one girl's like in, in the crowd watching, you know, you know the one girl I'm talking about, right? The one that's like, on paper, I should have no chance with and shouldn't be interested in me, in, in me at all. But for some reason, since I'm on the basketball team, all of a sudden she wants to like talk to me and you're out there like, this seems illogical and pretty shallow, but I'm good with it, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm 13. My prefrontal cortex isn't even developed yet. So let's do this thing. Let's go, right? And so all of a sudden, I'm starting to get this swagger, right? This swagger about me where I'm going, hey, I think we might like actually pull this thing off tonight. You know, like, I think I might drop 30, and I think we might pull this thing off. And then the game would start, and we'd just get destroyed. But, but for that moment, for that moment, I actually started to feel like a real basketball player. I had the, I had the right clothes on it and everything, and I started to feel like I actually knew what I was doing. Well, what's interesting about the verse that we just read, and we're going to get back to it in a couple of minutes, is that the prophet Isaiah literally just told us that we have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Hold that thought over here for a second. We're, we're going to come back to you. You guys all right so far? You guys okay? Any college basketball fans out there? Anyone excited for tomorrow night? Daniel is. I'll watch it by myself. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, I've noticed something else uh, about human nature, and I've been at this for a, a while now, and I'm like an introvert, so I spend all my days off just like writing and reading, and, and there's good things and bad things uh, uh, about that. Um, but I've noticed something uh, about human nature. In myself and every young adult I've met with, and I think in all of humanity, we are ashamed. We struggle with shame. Right, we, um, like at the depths of who we are, we're still just like ashamed of, of the, the dirtiness or the whatever in our heart. And so what happens is we all kind of get this facade going, right? We, we get this thing going where we're coming here and we feel like, yeah, everything's good, everything's fine, whatever, I'm cool. But in those moments, like when we lay our head down on the pillow and we start thinking through the day, if we're honest, a lot of us go, hey, I, I've got a lot of stuff going on down here and I, I I don't really want people to know about it. In fact, I don't even really want to know about it myself, right? Like, if you don't believe me, try sitting in silence for five minutes without reaching for your phone to, to fill the void, right? Or, or try taking a morning where you're just bored for a morning and see how fast it takes you to, to go to Netflix, 
All right, try, try to figure out some way just to go, nope, let's push it down, let's push it down, nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> you know, like it's all good. And I know that this is true because I know it's true in my own life. I know it's true in all of our lives because it's what Adam and Eve struggled with as well. You go back to the very beginning, the very beginning in the garden, God creates Adam and Eve, they're hanging out, they're good, everything is fine, shalom, peace with God until they fall. Until they, they fall, until they, they stumble. And then God is going on a walk in the coolness of the day. And if you've read the, the story, you know exactly what they do. They get guilty. They get scared and they hide. They hide. And there's like this really um, ridiculous picture of a, of a sovereign God and these like two human beings trying to like hide behind the bush. Like, I don't think he can see me uh, over here, right? And it's absurd from our point of view. And yet it's kind of what we do all the time, right? And God calls them out and says, hey, 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 where, where are you at? Come on out here. And so they walk out, um, but they realize that, that they're naked. And for the first time, they're experiencing shame and they're trying to cover themselves up. So they've got fig leaves uh, all over them. And they're kind of doing this like, please, please don't look at me. God, please don't look at me. And I would argue that is where shame entered the world. And it's been there ever sense. It plagues us. It plagues us as young adults. So what we do is we try to do exactly what Adam and Eve did, didn't we? Don't we? Like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll go first. Um, ministry. I love ministry to death. It's what I want to do. It's what, it's, it's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And there's a, but yet there's a scary part of ministry. Ministry allows you to have a whole lot of fig leaves that you can hide behind. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, so uh, like I can, I can be the guy who even though there's all this stuff going on and all these, these insecurities going on or all this worry going on down here, I can go, yeah, but I'm teaching the class. Yeah, I'm preaching the sermon. I'm leading the outreach. Uh, I'm doing these things. Everybody just look at this. Don't worry about this. Just, just look at this. What am I doing? I'm, I'm sewing fig leaves together. I'm hiding from God. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed. This is what we do as, as young Adults, it's like, it's like this is why we jump into these relationships sometimes, right? Where, where we go, well, I'm, I'm, I know it's not right. I know it's not gonna end well, but I just need something. I need something to distract everybody. I need, I need a relationship. Why don't we just, we'll, we'll put this relationship up here. We'll post some selfies uh, about it like before everyone else. We'll smile, it'll be good. And even though we're struggling, it's going to just kind of build the shelter so that everybody doesn't have to see like what, what's really going on down here right? Or, or, or maybe I'll get a master's degree. That's what I'll do. I'll get a master's degree. And that'll like kind of give me a little shelter. Over, I grew up in Colorado and we would have snowball fights every day. So right now what I'm picturing is when you have snowball fights, you break up into teams and uh, you're throwing snowball, snowballs back and forth, but you're also reinforcing the, the walls around you, right? So, so that the other snowballs can't penetrate. It. And this is kind of what we do, right? We like pack up master's degree. Yeah, then I can, I can just put that there and nobody will see what's really going on down here. Salary, right? I can just get that promotion. I get 10K more this year than I can buy a whole lot of other stuff and I'm gonna be able to fill that up and then nobody will ever ask me well, what's going on. Social media is like the, the obvious example right here, right? Well, I'll just, I'll just 5,000 5, followers. If I can get 5,000 followers, man, nobody will even ask how my heart's doing. Everyone will see my little thing that I got going on and they'll go, hey, look at that guy. Look at that girl. 
right? right? They, they figured it out, right? They are comfortable. This is what we do out of shame and out of fear. We build this whole wall. The problem is the wall doesn't stay, right? The master's degree isn't enough, and so we need to go rebuild that part over there, and then the relationship falls through, so we gotta rebuild that, and then the social media, there's somebody else better than us, so we gotta go rebuild that, and it's like, hey, it's no wonder that young adults are so, like, exhausted all the time, right? It's no wonder we're all so tired, it's no wonder we're all so stuck in these same patterns week after week, day after day, and we want so bad to break out of them, but we can't because we're too worried about what's going on up here because we're ashamed of anybody seeing what's going on here, especially ourselves. We don't even want to see it ourselves, so we live out here. We definitely don't want God to see it, and we for sure don't want other people to see it, so let's build a wall for ourselves and, and hide back here, but here's the thing. The verse that we just read tells us that that's a complete lie. Do you see it? The verse that we just read tells us that we have been clothed in righteousness. Or in other words, all of this stuff aside, what's really going on down here even though the world's told us this narrative our entire lives that, that we're broken, that we're dirty, that we're, that we're whatever, as a Christian, we have the, the imputed righteousness of, of Jesus Christ on us, and so now we have been clothed in righteousness. In other words, God doesn't, doesn't, doesn't look at our hearts and see the same thing that we see as we're ashamed and as we're scared. What he sees is righteousness. What he sees is good. What he sees is pure. So now here's my question for us tonight. Um, if some snap pants... can help a 13-year-old kid who's still praying for puberty to come <laughs> feel like an actual basketball player? How much more should the fact that we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that we actually have Jesus' righteousness all, all over us, even in the dirty parts, even at the depths of our hearts, empower us and encourage us to step up and step into what God has created us to be? Right, see, we, we put this whole wall up because we don't understand that actually down here, we're good. We're good. He, he, he's wrapped our souls, our hearts, if you will, in salvation so that he goes, hey, no, you're good. You're righteous. I see you. I see you at the depths of who you are, and I, I don't see what the rest of the world sees. I see my son. I see my daughter. I see someone who is more than a conqueror. Then all of a sudden we start to realize that. All of a sudden we start to fix our eyes on that. And if they, you thought that swagger was good, how about this holy swagger over here that, that comes when we start to realize that we actually are who we are in Christ, right? See, this is how change happens, guys. This is a real change happens. You can go to the bookstore and order all sorts of books and they'll try to tell you how, how to change. You want to know how to change. We got to get down to the depth of who we are and realize that God goes there with us and he sees us as pure. There's this great story in, in Luke 15 where um, the, the son um, takes his dad's money and he, he goes and he spends it everywhere and, and um, he just kind of like blows it and whatever and he finds himself in trouble and he goes, hey, I'm just gonna go back to my dad and just be a slave. I'm just gonna go back to my dad and maybe he'll just let me be a slave so, so that I can at least eat. And he's walking to, to his dad and just expecting to be a slave and you know the story, if you've been around, the dad runs to him and embraces him and it says he throws a robe around him. 
Think about that. The, the, the son is going, I just want to be a slave. I just want to be a slave. Whatever I just need, I just need some bread to eat. And the dad's throwing a robe around him saying, no, you get to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You get to walk now in, in the fact that you are welcomed home, that you are my son. So with that, let's go back to our verse, Isaiah 61, verse 10. By the way, uh, 700 years or so before Jesus, Isaiah, the prophet, wrote this. And then um, 700 years after that, Jesus comes back, or Jesus, Jesus comes, takes on the form uh, of a man, walks into a synagogue uh, on the Sabbath, pulls out a scroll. They didn't have Bibles like this, and they didn't have the numbering system that we had, um, but finds the Isaiah 61 scroll, starts reading it, and sits back down and says, hey, today... This has been fulfilled in your sight. In other words, Jesus is the fulfillment of what we are about to reread. He says it this way, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, just, just like the prodigal son coming back and then his dad putting the robe around him. He's going, no, God has given me this robe of righteousness. He has covered me with his righteousness, not just on this outside kind of wall that I'm, that I'm putting up, but at the very depths of my heart. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. You see it? You see it, this is the promise in scripture. The, the, the promise in, in, in scripture is not that life's gonna get super easy as soon as we fall, start following Jesus. The promise in scripture is that when we start following Jesus, all of a sudden he wraps us in his righteousness. And all of a sudden we start to learn how to walk around as sons and daughters. And as we do that, suddenly those addictions don't look so addicting anymore, right? Those fears don't look so scary anymore. That loneliness doesn't look quite as lonely anymore because we understand who we are in God. And then, and then as we do that, verse 11 tells us what happens. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden cause what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations, here's the truth. When we learn how to fix our eyes on Jesus and what Jesus has done for us, then naturally, naturally what starts to happen is that righteousness just starts to bubble up and over and we start to live into what God has for us. This imagery is all over scripture, by the way. Paul in Galatians 5 calls it fruit. <laughs> I love it. He doesn't just say, hey, the natural result of following Jesus is love, joy, patience, peace, right? He goes, hey, hey, if you learn how to follow Jesus, if you learn how to fix your eyes on Jesus, if you learn how to start walking in who God created you to be, then what's going to naturally and inevitably happen is that your life's gonna start being marked by love, by joy, by peace, by, by patience, by all these, these amazing fruits of the spirit. But trees take a while to grow, don't they? You don't just get fruit, you don't just plant a seed and then wake up the next day and have orange right there ready, ready to pick, although that would be great. It's just not how it works. It takes time. This is a process. 
And yet, if we learn how to commit ourselves to God, if we learn how to remind ourselves day in and day out, day in and day out, that Jesus has clothed us with his righteousness, we get to learn how to, how to step into to what that is gradually, slowly, we start to bear this fruit. Then all of a sudden, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, whatever, we look back and we go, oh my God. I, like, look at everything that the Holy Spirit did in my life just because I was fixing my eyes on who he is. Just because I realized I don't have to be ashamed anymore. Right? Like, like, I don't have to be ashamed of who I am. I'm justified. I'm good. I can step up and step into what he has for me. But this is a battle, isn't it? Right? Like, like, if it was easy, then we'd all be there by then. And now it doesn't work like that. It's a battle. And so um, all throughout Scripture, as, as you read it, one of the things you'll notice is that this, this kind of um, pattern comes back uh, of clothing yourself, clothing yourself, clothing yourself. Isaiah talks about it. Then the other big one um, is a guy named Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about actually putting on this armor, the armor uh, of God. If you have your Bible, I'm going to go there just for a second as we close tonight. It's to the right in your Bible. Uh, um, So Isaiah prophesies, Jesus comes, fulfills it. And then this guy named Paul comes on the scene. There are other people as well. But then this guy named Paul comes on the scene and he starts planting all these churches all around and doing all these amazing things. And by the way, Jesus and Paul were both single. So I don't know why it gets such a bad rep in the church. Maybe it should be celebrated a little bit more. I don't know. But Paul comes on the scene. I don't know what that was. Paul comes on the scene and he writes a letter back to the church in Ephesus and he says, hey, listen, uh, everything that, that we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes is true. He, he goes, this is who you are. This is who you are in Christ. But listen to me. This world's going to come at you and try to throw the, this new narrative at you, the, this counter narrative at you. The world's going to try to pull the rug out from underneath you. And so after he gets done explaining to the, to the church in Ephesus who they are in Christ, He turns the corner, we'll pick it up in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And then he goes on to explain, hey, um, just like the Roman soldiers would would put on their their, um, get up, (laughs) I don't know, not a soldier, they're, they're get up for war. Um, he's going, I want you to do the same thing in a spiritual sense. In other words, he's saying the exact same thing that Isaiah is saying. Do you see it? He goes, hey, listen to me. This is what I want you to do. I want you to dress for battle every day. <laughs> and in there he goes, I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness because I want you to cover your heart with this understanding that you are righteous, that your heart is good, that anybody in Christ is good. And it's funny to me, it's so funny as I kind of go through this journey, because I'll have those days, and you've probably been the same, where like you get back from a mission trip or something, you know, and you're like waking up at 4 a.m., and you're like praying for all your friends, you're like memorizing whole chapters of scripture, and then going out and like doing all these great things. You get to the end of the day, just like, hey, I bet, I bet God's pretty, pretty stoked with this guy today, right? And the truth is, he is. 
but it's not because of what I think. It's not because of the things that I'm doing. It's because I've been clothed with the breastplate of righteousness, which also means that in my worst days, which come, right, which happen, in my worst days, when they happen, the same principle applies. I'm still clothed in the breastplate of righteousness. So God still looks at me, sees my heart and says, hey, we gotta fix some of these, these patterns in your life, but I'm looking at you and I'm seeing the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Right, so Paul goes, hey, over your chest, I want you to put the breastplate of righteousness. He goes on to, to talk about putting on the belt of truth and knowing that, that this, all, all of this is so easy to remember in a room like this and yet so hard to practice throughout the week. So he says, hey, hey, put on the belt of truth, which the truth is found in this book. All right, the truth about who you are is found all over this book that you are beloved that you've been adopted as sons and daughters, that you are justified, that you are more than a conqueror, and on and on and on we can go. And then he says, hey, sandals of peace. Put on the sandals of peace. I, man, so every Sunday around like 2.30 when I'm speaking, I get this like, I, I, I just, my mind starts playing tricks with me and I start getting all stressed out and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm like scrapping everything that I had worked on all week and like trying new things and I'm like getting short with everybody who's, who's at the coffee shops. I'm like, get out of here. I just want to focus on this right now, right? And today I'm reading this and I go, oh yeah. Yeah, we don't have to do that anymore. You know, like I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a slave to that anymore. I can be at peace because the gospel has set me free. And God's gonna do what God's gonna do. And I'm just called to be a good steward. So I'm just gonna walk in peace today knowing that he's going to do what he does. So Paul says, hey, put on the sandals of peace. He goes on to talk about the helmet of salvation, which I love because you know how big of a battlefield the mind is. Right? Every day, day in, day out, there's all these lies. We're overthinking everything that happens. And Paul goes, I tell you what, just wrap your mind with salvation. Wrap your mind with the understanding that 10,000 years from now, none of this is really going to matter. In fact, the only things that are going to matter are how we treated people, how we loved people, how we were there for people, how we got to be like Jesus to the world. All the other stuff is just minute details. So wrap your mind in salvation. He says, pick up a, sh pick up a shield, shield of faith. He goes, hey, 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 there's darts coming at you right now. And you can, you can read through this all um, the, this week. I'm not going to take the time to, to do it. But, but pick up your shield because there's darts coming at you as we speak. And yet the shield will protect you from those things. And last but not least, he says, pick up your sword. Pick up your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The promises that, that God makes for us in this book saturate your mind with them. Because as we leave and as we go throughout our weeks, there are so many things that, that fly at us. So many things that make us want to start rebuilding this wall out of shame back here. And he's going, don't do it. Don't do it. You've been clothed. Clothed in righteousness. Right? Clothed in the righteousness that Jesus has given to you. So, so you, you're not a slave to those things anymore. Don't do it. Don't do it. I love that Paul says, hey, hey, dress yourself. Dress yourself for battle because he understood every day that it was a thing. So to get really practical just here for, for a second, um, this is one of those prayers that, that for me, um, I've had different seasons of life where I, I, I've prayed uh, these prayers every morning. 
And I'm, by the way, currently in one of those seasons where I'm praying it every morning because I, I know what's going on. I know that there's a fight going on. I know that, that it's time for battle. And so I called my brother uh, this afternoon and uh, we like to talk through sermons together. And he goes, hey, um, last year, 2016, was a year where I, I prayed uh, the Armor of God prayer every morning for an entire year. And he was going through a, a, a lot of stuff. And um, he, he um, prayed it literally every morning. He said it completely changed the course of his year and now the trajectory uh, of his life. It was incredible for him. And I, I was listening to him. And I go, that's, that's so awesome. Like, like, what do you pray? And he goes, oh, well, I just I wrote out a, a, a personalized prayer um, that kind of fits in with everything that, that Paul is saying. And I just have that like on my bedstand. And before I get out of bed, I, I just prayed it every morning. And I said, hey, that's great, man. Can you send that over? I'd love to, to, to share that. And he said, yeah. And um, what I thought would be good um, is for us to, to pray this prayer together. I'm, I'm going to pray it for us. And um, this is, uh, I, I guess, the, the challenge would be, um, hey, what if, what if you took this week, this first week in April, and just tried it? Just tried it every morning. Even if this is your first time like in, in, in a church and all this is new for you, what if you just tried it? What if you just tried reminding yourself that even clothed with the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth, the sandals of peace every morning, and just see, just see throughout the course of seven days how that might change the trajectory of your week. So I'm gonna do it. Uh, I'm going to do it, and I want to invite you guys to, to join me in it this week. Um, we, we printed it out, and we put it on the back if you want to grab one on your way out. But what I thought would be good just to, to close is to start right now. Start right now and, and pray it together. So um, the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing one more song. Um, but before we do that, why don't, can you guys stand with me? Stand with me, and, and um, I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to read this. And as I pray, I want you to think through um, the, the imagery here. Think through the fact that we have been clothed with the righteousness uh, of Christ. And as, as you hear these words, just hear God and receive God just speaking this truth over your life. And we're going to sing a song and then we're, we'll get out of here. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness. And thank you for the promises and victories you have already spoken over my life. Today I receive those promises and claim victory over fear and anxiety, lust, apathy. You fill in the blank with whatever you want to fill it with. First, I put on the belt of truth. I choose to live today by what is true, not by what I feel. My emotions are fickle, but truth never changes. And the truth about me is that I am chosen, loved, and forgiven even if I don't feel it. The truth is that I have a purpose and a calling. The truth is there's someone for me to love and encourage today. Next, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. My righteousness does not come from me, it comes from you. I choose to live how you see me, holy, blameless. No matter what happened this past week, I'm white as snow because your mercies are new every single morning. Today I walk with a holy swagger, dressed in the perfection you purchased for me. Not in arrogance, not in arrogance, but in confidence that you are my father and I'm your child. And if, if you don't condemn me, then nobody can, and that includes myself. Now I put on the sandals of the gospel of peace. 
You desire for me to live in peace as I walk in my calling. My schedule is now in your hands and I will not be hurried or rushed today regardless of what happens. I'll be a calming, stable, and steady presence everywhere I go. Now put on your helmet of salvation. I know my thought life is crazy and today I choose to take every disobedient thought captive in the name of Jesus Christ. I know there are lies heading my way even as I pray and so I protect my mind with this helmet for those thoughts are nothing but a waste of my time. Your love surrounds me when my thoughts wage war and so I will dwell on nothing but what is good, right, pleasing and pure. I pick up your shield of faith ready to take ground for the kingdom. Temptations, criticisms, and storms are on the horizon, but with this shield, I claim victory out loud and ahead of time, knowing you are going before me. So today I believe there's nothing you can't do in my life and through my life. And finally, I take up the sword of the spirit, which is your word. It's a double-edged sword, and it'll teach me, guide me, discipline me, comfort me, and prevail against the enemy. Your word says that he that is greater, or he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Your word reminds me that when I commit my life to your glory, you will commit your resources to my story. So Father, I go now about my day and invite you along every step of the way. Thank you for choosing me as a representative of your love to a world that so desperately needs that love. Let the people in my life see Jesus in me as your power is made perfect in my weakness. Today, I'll be ready in Jesus' name. Amen, let's worship.